Thank you, Stephen, and thank you, Susan, and uh, thank you all for being with us, whether you're in this place or whether you've joined us uh, for the live stream service. We are glad you are here. It's good to be together. Uh, first off, uh, Ellen and I would like to express our deep gratitude to all of you. Last Sunday, we were overwhelmed uh, by all of the Beargrass Saints members and friends who came by for the Bond Voyage uh, celebration. What a, what a joy it was to see so many people live and in person. It had been so long, seven months for most of the folks who showed up. And so we are very grateful uh, for the creative efforts of our staff and the planning team for uh, putting that event together and helping everything go so smoothly. And thank you all for your kind words and your cards and, and your generous gifts. We felt deeply appreciated and were very, very grateful. In the past weeks, we've been flipping through Philippians, and today we will conclude a four-part sermon series called Together. Uh, Paul encourages us to stand together, to serve together, to strive together. Today's message is Rejoice Together. Now remember, Paul is writing from jail to a congregation that he clearly loves. Uh, I chose Philippians for this final series because Paul says a, a lot of things to them in his letter that I would like to say to you. And so here's the text for today from Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Eodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Paul loves these people. Paul loves these people. And throughout this letter, Paul encourages them to stick together. And yet, despite his glowing comments, he is concerned about something. Uh, he realizes that unity in a calm unity uh, can be a challenge. Amen? Uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. And one of the shocking lines in this, in this passage we've heard today is verse 4-2. Now, let's remember how, how this letter is communicated. When this church meets for worship, they get together in a home, not in a, not in a space like this. They're in a home, and they do not have the luxury of Bibles and hymnals like we do in this place. And so the letter 
the letter arrives and people are excited and it is read aloud in the midst of the folks in that home. It is an oral and oral event spoken and heard by the members of the congregation. Now imagine that you were sitting with that group. Paul talks about many lofty theological ideas and concepts, but then he blurts out in front of God and everybody, Yodia and Syntyche, get along with each other. <laughs> Can you imagine if I did that today? You know, Rob, Susan, get along with each other. Not that that'll ever be a problem, but, you know, just, you know, shape up. I can, can you imagine? One pastor said, as a preacher, you know, I like to go after big game in my sermons. Justice and peace and systemic racism and deep theological issues. And I keep waiting and hoping for the church to rise above its pettiness and go on to greater and grander things. But then there I am in my study and someone rushes into my office and shouts, Preacher, come quick. Come quick, Yodia and Syntyche are fighting in Fellowship Paul, and it's getting ugly. Ah! So why does Paul deal with such mundane matters? Is it possible that the health and unity of the church are at stake even in these tidy, tiny spats and, and disagreements, perhaps unity really begins with you and me, a relationship at a time. You know, the way we treat each other matters. It really does. The things we do and say really make a difference. Life in community can be divine. We've experienced that. But it can also be divisive. The church can be a source of great bliss, but also great blisters. You know, folks who enjoy each other in church are often tested when they suddenly discover that they are in very different places politically and theologically. Amen. Uh, you know, angry words get spoken, relationships broken, conflict happens. Ugh. A cartoon in a journal depicted a sign on a church bulletin board similar to what we would see in factories, and the sign read, 213 days without a split. <laughs> so don't give up on each other. Amen? Don't give up on each other. Yodi and Syntyche, get along. Be of the same mind in Jesus. Talk to each other. Work through your differences. Remember what God has done for you. Remember that love and that mercy and that undeserved grace that you've experienced and pass that on in the way you deal with each other. Dennis the Menace has a cartoon that's insightful. Dennis and Joey are walking away from the the next-door neighbor's home, the home of Mr. and Mrs. Wilson, and both of them have hands loaded with cookies, more than they can eat, and Joey asks, I wonder what we did to deserve this. And Dennis says, look, Joey, Mrs. Wilson gives us cookies not because we are nice, but because she is nice. And that's the gospel. That is the gospel. We are blessed not because of who we are or what we have done, but because we are loved by a graceful and generous God. 
This gives us every reason to rejoice and respond. And Paul tells us to focus on the things that are excellent and good. There's enough other stuff out there. To let it go. Focus on the excellent and the good and the worthy. And then he connects thought and action and he connects doctrine and practice. Don't think about it. Live it out. And so many of you do this so very, very well. Thank you. Some of you uh, remember, <laughs> it's been around for a while, it's dusty. Some of you remember this hat. Um, back in the fall of 1996, a search team and I were in conversation about a possible call to come to Beargrass. Uh, we survived the vetting and we survived the voting. And um, Don Tolles was the chair of the team, and he invited us to come. And we were thrilled. We were thrilled kids not so much, but we were thrilled. Um, and we could not wait to get here. And we made a visit to uh, iron out all the final compensation details, you know. So, so Beargrass appointed three all-stars for the task, Doug Becker, Jim Montgomery, Frank Ferris. They were the SEAL team. Uh, I guess SEAL team three in this case, they were to seal the deal for us to come right? You know about that, Mr. Jackson. Uh, I also learned that they had a common athletic allegiance. They were all big fans of a school somewhere east of this place, and in their compensation documents, they made several references uh, to the need for me to support a particular school. I'm not kidding. But, but, but then we came to the bottom line, and, and they made it clear that they wanted us to stay for a long time. And then these three professionals sat back and kind of braced themselves as if ready for some kind of conflict. Or, I think they fully expected a counteroffer. And I scanned through the papers again very quickly, and I said, gosh, this looks great. And Doug, the attorney, said, that's it? I mean, he was ready for a fight. I mean, that's it? And, I, and it was. And I thought to myself, I get, I get to serve at this church. I get to serve here. And Ellen and I were thrilled. But I confess I was suspicious about the athletic clauses and so I did a little bit of homework, and I found out that there were other folks in the congregation with this passion as deep as theirs about their particular whatever. And so we came to our first meet and greet with the church family, very nice reception in the activities building, uh, had the introductions, a little Q&A, and then I confessed that I, you know, I'd heard that the athletic rivalries in this part of the world were very strong. And so I told people, as I brought this hat out of the bag, to let me know which bill of the cap they want me to turn toward them when I have a particular conversation. And uh, we found out that unity grows when we can speak each other's language. 
And that was the beginning of a long and wonderful relationship. And for the most part, we cats and cards and Hoosiers and Republicans and Democrats and independents and liberals and moderates and conservatives have gotten along pretty well. Beargrass is one of the best examples of a vital purple church that I know. My first sermon here was in mid-January of 97, and just as politicians have planks in their platform, uh, I said that the two most important planks in my preacher platform were the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Love God, love neighbor, love self, go make disciples. By the grace of God, we have done a pretty good job with all of that. In our first five years together, we welcomed 600 new members, so there was this great influx of new ideas and and energy and resources, and, and then we have grown in so many other ways. And one of the most important is in outreach, and specifically hands-on outreach. In fact, now I would add a third plank for ministry based on that marvelous line from the, the prophet Micah who said, you know, what does the Lord require of us? Do what is right and just and walk humbly with God. That really completes our worship, grow, and serve mission statement, doesn't it? And I'm convinced, and I've said this before, if that is all the Bible we had, if those three things, those three verses, if that's all the Bible we had and we just became a little proficient at those three texts, I believe the church would turn the world upside down. One of our numbers people said that I have preached over a thousand sermons <laughs> Gosh. and helped lead over 3,000 sermon, sermons services since I've been here. Uh, oh, really? Today's message is my last official one as senior minister. Uh, Thanks for listening and for staying awake during most of them. Uh, Sometimes I've had something to say, and oftentimes I've just had to say something. And so as I prepared for this farewell address, you know, I just felt a profound sense of gratitude for the years that my family and I have spent with you. Thanks be to God for this special relationship we've had as pastor and people, as family and church family. I'm also deeply grateful for my wife, Ellen, who's here today, and for all of her support and patience and love Uh, you are this pastor's primary pastor, and I love you. Thank you. I also appreciate our brilliant children and growing family, uh, Heather, Brandon, Alex, Chelsea, and Brian, the three wee kings, Aiden, Bryson, and Theo. I love you all, and I'm very proud of you. And Beargrass, you have provided a strong faith foundation for them. I have deep respect and admiration for all the staff members. Uh, Some of the names and faces have changed. Some were here before I got here and will be here long after I'm gone. Uh, Amazing. But special thanks today for our staff because they are some of the most 
dedicated, hardworking, creative people I have ever known. And I really want to thank Susan and Stephen and uh, Rob today for their friendship in ministry. You are true colleagues, and they have allowed me to actually relax when I'm away from this place because they can handle it. They can handle anything that happens in the life of the church. And please remember that only one of your four pastors is retiring. <laughs> the, rest, the rest of them are going to be around. So help them and pray for them during this time of transition. And make Reverend almost Dr. Flowers and his family feel as warmly welcome to Beargrass as you did my family. I also have great love for you, Beargrass members and friends. You have demonstrated what it means to be disciples of Christ through your care and your visits and your presence for each other during illness and loss. You have shown Christian love through your outreach, not just financially, but in hands-on ministry. You have been the hands and the feet and the voice of God. Through worship and evangelism, you have made the great commandment and great commission priorities. Through your stewardship, you have touched the lives of thousands of people around the corner and around the world through your giving. And your over and above gifts helped us maximize the potential for this campus and help this place become mission central for our ministry. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And I hope you will take some time to reflect on the ways that God has worked through us and in us and blessed us in our efforts. Give thanks. Give thanks for the lasting legacy. Celebrate the present. And begin to dream new dreams. Begin to dream about possibilities for the future. But do not stare in the rearview mirror too long. This is not a time to pull back. It is a time to move ahead. Amen? This is, this is not the time to wait and check out the new guy. You know, this is not the time to hold on to your pledge uh, or, or reduce it to wait and see how things work out. Don't do that. This is not a time for backing off or bailing out. This is a time for stepping up and pitching in. For centuries, God has called people to, to pick up the ball, to finish the race, to dream new dreams, to accept the gift of the future, to receive the torch and bring light to the next generation. This is a time for clarifying our corporate sense of mission and our personal commitment to serving God and God's people in this world. And so today, today we celebrate Today we give thanks and rejoice, and we do it together. We are so grateful for our partnership with you in the gospel. And we will continue, by the grace of God, we will continue to stand together and serve together and strive together and rejoice together as we move forward in faith. And I will thank God. I will thank God 
every time I remember you. 